I'm going to read a psalm with you. I don't know what you think, but man, it's the Word of God. It is so fantastic. It is so beautiful. Have you ever been in trouble? This psalm was probably written for Hezekiah. It might have been written by him, but most people believe it was written after God got them out of massive trouble. In 1 Kings 19.14, you can look it up later if you want, Hezekiah gets a letter from uh, Sennacherib. And they bring this letter to him. And Hezekiah knows what to do better than most of us. He didn't call the deacons in. He didn't go to the businessmen. He didn't go to the generals. He didn't go to the other preachers. He said, let's go to the house of God. <laughs> That's fantastic enough right there. Amen. And then I love what the Bible says. He took the letter like God didn't know what was in it. Opened it up and said, that's it. That's what they're saying about you. And I need you. If you have your Bible open. In verse 15, he prayed before the Lord. And he said, you are God. You alone, even thou alone. You made heaven. So I call on you, verse 16, to hear and see the words of Sennacherib, who reproaches the living God. Yeah, the kings of Assyria have destroyed nations. They have thrown their gods in fire, but they were not real gods. They were the works of men's hands, wood and stone. That's why they were able to destroy them. Lord God, I want people to know that you are God and you alone. Verse 20, Isaiah said, you got to underline this in your Bible. It's just one of them things that jump off a page. He said, God says to or Isaiah says to him, you prayed and he heard. Look at that. He said, thou hast prayed to me. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, thou hast prayed to me. I have heard. God, help us. If that doesn't thrill you, we've experienced that personally. You've experienced it. God is a prayer hearing God. In chapter 19 and verse 22, he said, Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? You're talking against the Holy One of Israel. And you think your big chariots are going to win a war. Verse 35. They put 185,000 soldiers around God's city. They could win. They had the power. They had the weapons. But Hezekiah knew God. And in 35, the Lord went out and smote, the angel of the Lord smote them, killed them, 185. Love this. They were all dead corpses. I mean, they went to bed thinking, tomorrow we destroy God's people. And God says, you won't wake up tomorrow. Verse 36, Sennacherib departed and he returned back to Nineveh. He went into the worship at the house of his idol God, who is no God, and his sons killed him. I don't know who's surrounding your city. I don't know what's happening in your life. But I know this. Our God is a terrible God. That's the King James word for it. Modern word, he's awesome. But terrible means he is so powerful you better be scared that's really what sometimes awesome I don't mean it's ugly I'm not trying to be ugly but it kind of tones it 
Terrible means, I mean, who, what do you think you'd feel? You wake up and look out, and there's 185,000 dead people. I doubt you'd be dancing a jig and saying, whoa, that's good stuff. You'd just be like, whoa, that's God. Read with me. It's kind of funny. They should have been thanking God. But the man of God had to stand up and say in verse 1, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Get up and give God a hand. You say, we're not charismatics. Well, these Jews clapped for Jesus. And then he said, and you shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible, awesome, wonderful. He is so powerful, he strikes fear. You know, the truth is, we don't have to fear him like he's going to hurt us. But when you're in the presence of almighty power, almighty holiness, almighty ability, you probably, you know what they did in the Bible? They fell dead at his feet. They weren't dead. They just fainted. They were like, whew, that's boom. They fainted. You know why? Because he ain't like us. He's too far above us. You should say amen right there. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loves. God is gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Now, verse 6. I want all y'all to read verse 6 with me. Psalm 47, 6. I want you to read it out loud. And I'd just like to say, I'm afraid after we read this verse, we should change. Sometimes, these musicians and leading songs, and we kind of drag, and we kind of mumble through it, and we kind of look at it as prelude. We don't give it importance. But look at this. Read with me verse 6. Everybody, out loud. Ready? Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. Uh, God was in the lock and singing business. I mean, this is divine scripture. Amen. Clap, shout, praise, sing. I mean, if if... If last night when you went to bed, you didn't sleep because you were afraid, 185,000 soldiers around your city, you had no idea you would live. You knew the next day you'd be dead. You were hugging your wife when you went to sleep, if you did. You had your children pulled close, and you said, don't be afraid. But you knew they should be afraid. Because if God didn't come through, your kids would be dead. Your wife would be raped. And then all of a sudden, God wiped out the enemy. Wiped them out. No slingshots. No bows and arrows. No spears. No swords. No shields. God wiped them out. I bet you'd be like, sing praise. I bet you wake up at the family next morning and say, we need to sing. He saved us. Look at this, verse 7. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigns over the heathen. God sits upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong unto God. 
He is greatly exalted. I probably won't get around to this. So I'll insert it right here. You see those shields? Nobody really knows why it's mentioned. But you know, they made golden shields. And then those shields got taken and replaced them with brass shields. And then here God says, oh, don't worry. Y'all ain't no able to hold on to shields, but I am. I am still in charge. So anyway, this is a song of victory. It's also a millennial psalm. Talking about the day when Jesus will take over the entire world. I hope you take your Bible and follow me. Number one, our God is an awesome, terrible God. He has to call the people to praise, honor, and give thanks. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That wasn't clapping for the singer. That was clapping for the victor. That wasn't clapping for the preacher. That was clapping for the God who just wiped out 185,000 enemies. It's embarrassing that God's people had to be reminded to be thankful. Like the ten lepers when only one returns. We are quick to pray, but we are not quick to praise. The worship was very enthusiastic. Sometimes independent Baptists are drier than a gunpowder keg. I don't know what you're drier than. Dust. I'm dry too. I'm not blaming you because it's kind of like my personality to be dry and dull. But these people, man, I don't know if you can see it. They were jumping up and down. Of course, I think we would be too. You ever seen any of those pictures of when World War I and World War II ended? Those people went crazy. And they didn't see anything like God's people. 185,000 wiped out. Basically, we'll see this in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus finally wins, he's going to call all the buzzards. And he's going to say, y'all come eat. I have fixed you a big supper. Those that don't like me, their dead bodies are laying out there. Eat them. It's in the Bible. I'll show it to you. Verse 2. The Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. Well, that's not true yet. He might have been ruling in Israel and surrounding areas. But he will be king of all the earth. He's so powerful that his power struck all in their hearts. That's terrible. That's what that means. Imagine being terrified of 185,000. Imagine seeing them all dead. God, our God, the God of the Bible, was no small idol. Every country had their little gods. They could bring them with them. They could set them up. I could take you to Adikipa and take you to the idol makers. Where they cut a piece of wood, or they form some clay, or they get some ceramic, or they get some metal, and they make them a God. A God they can pray to that reminds them of God. But this God is so big that when a king and a general mock him, he wipes them out. The general is now dead. Now look at the prophecy. You need to understand the Bible is not just a history book. It's not just a history book. It's not just about how God saved Israel. You live in a wicked world. They don't like you. You believe in marriage. To a man, a man married to a woman for an entire lifetime. You believe in raising children to love God. The world doesn't like you. 
You believe that babies' lives ought to be protected. You believe that adultery ought to be wicked in everybody's eyes. You believe that homosexuality and other sins would be wrong. They don't like us. We're in a war. We're backed up against the wall. There's 185,000 enemies, and it's easy for you to think we're beaten and we're defeated. But he's not bothered by 185,000. He's already proved that. Verse 3, he shall subdue the people under his feet and the nations under us and the nations under our feet. He's going to make it happen. You see, Israel doesn't win the battle. God wins the battle. He chose our inheritance. He loved the nation of Israel and he made it happen. I don't know if you'll do it because you don't carry Bibles. But I wish you'd go with me to Revelation 19.11. This is going to happen. I, I, I must confess, I just believe the Bible, the way it's written. I believe that Jesus will come. I believe, verse 11, that there'll be a heaven opened and a big old white horse. And the guy sitting on him will be called faithful and true. In righteousness, he will judge and make war. He'll take over the world. He will have, in verse 12, many crowns. He'll take the crown from the USA. He'll take the crown from Great Britain. He'll take the crown from Germany. Everybody will know there's only one king. And he has all the crowns. In verse 13, his vestures dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That's Jesus. Did you know there will be armies which were in heaven following on white horses? That's me and you. When he gets ready to come down here and kick rear. We'll just ride and watch. That's going to be fun. Amen. All of a sudden, the Hitlers of this world, all of a sudden, the Idi Amin, you don't know who those people were probably because you don't know enough history. You burned that book along with others, I'm sure. But all these bad people, all these that raise up against God, all these that say God doesn't exist, Jesus will come. And they will follow up on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Dressed in righteousness. I am not worthy to be in that battle. I'm not worthy to sit on a white horse. I'm not worthy to come with Jesus. But he made me worthy. Can't beat that. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And he would smite the nations. He'll take over and rule the world with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. God Excuse me, you're not going to like this. I know you think he's all love, but he is mad. He is mad. And he's holding it back. Now, to give us time to tell people about Jesus. But the day is coming when tribulation will come on this world like no one has ever seen. Six million Jews dying. Chinese killing other Chinese. Japanese destroying Chinese. Africans selling Africans, British and American people selling slaves, people being mistreated. Ain't nothing ever happened that will compare when God steps out and says, I'm here. We're settling accounts. It's going to be wild. And then he'll rule. A name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now I want you to read verse 17 so you know I didn't make it up. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice to all the birds, the fowls that fly, in the midst of heaven. Come gather yourselves unto the supper of the great God. 
Can you imagine that? I don't even like buzzards. I see them on the road. All I want to do, I'd like to run over them. Sorry. And that, that, look at what it says, that they may eat of the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them, the flesh of all men, the free and the slave, both small and great. God said, yeah, they rose up against me, but this time I am wiping them out. I want you to picture 185,000. Now I want you to picture millions who reject Jesus. I want you to picture countries eaten up by Hinduism and Buddhism and atheism and false Christianity and every other kind of false religion. And they shake their fists in the face of God and they don't accept Jesus. They will rebel against him and he will win. That's at the last of the millennium, by the way. Don't have time to go into all that. And I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And he's not so strong. He's not so strong. An angel goes over and just whips him, wraps him up in chains and throws him in a bottomless pit. Don't ever think the devil is, he's stronger than me and you. He ain't stronger than our king. He ain't stronger than the angels God has working for him. Verse 20, the beast was taken. The false prophet is <coughs> a fake religious guy. He was taken. He had deceived them. They received the mark of the beast, them that worshipped his image. And they were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And the birds got full. <laughs> you ever seen one of them old westerns back in the black and white days? And the poor guy's laying on the ground dying and the buzzards are in the trees just waiting for him to quit quivering. That's what I, when I read this, that's what I'm thinking about. Our God's a terrible God. Not terrible like you might think today, but terrible in the sense he is so powerful. You don't play with him. <laughs> After all, he is the creator. He made all of us. He made it. He's in charge. Not only is he a terrible God, an awesome God for you younger people. He is a triumphant God. You see, it's about Jesus. Yes, that little story spurred them to write a song. By the way, we could get a little more excited around here and say, praise the Lord and sing like we meant it. A friend of mine in Mexico used to say, if I can't see your tonsils when you're singing, you ain't singing yet. God is gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Calvary's over. He came to suffer, but now he rises to reign. I read this in a sermon outline. I like it. Here it goes. He came the first time to a manger. He's coming the second time in majesty. He came the first time as a carpenter. He's coming the second time as a king. He came the first time to a stable. He's coming the second time on a stallion. He came the first time to be crucified. He's coming the second time to be crowned. He came the first time on a tree. He's coming the second time to a throne. He has gone up, been exalted, given his perfect, proper place as who he is, the king of the universe.
and we are to sing praises. Amen. To be honest with you, right now, if my voice was where it used to be, even I'd be breaking out a song with you. Because we ought to sing praises. Amen. We ought to be saying, Whoa, God, there ain't nobody like you. Oh, God, you're so powerful. Oh, God, you deserve our worship. And you may mock it, but there ought to be some tears running down our faces. There ought to be some hands raised up. There ought to be a little bit of excited shouting about him. There ought to be some clapping for him. There ought to be like, oh my soul, there is no God like our God. He is our king and our God. He is worthy of our praise. There is none other who can defeat all the enemies and rule over all of creation. Notice, he will come back and set up a kingdom and rule over all the earth. Verse 7, God is the king of all the earth. He's mocked. You know that two-thirds of the world don't even claim to be Christian? It's so easy when you live here to think that everywhere has got so many churches. But 65% of the world doesn't even claim Christianity as a religion. 35% says they're Christian. And boy, they're not. If there were, there wouldn't be racism. There wouldn't be people hurting policemen right now. There wouldn't be all this junk going on if they were saved. Come on, be honest. Born again people don't do that stuff. Hell people do that stuff. Bad cops. People that hurt cops. Both. He's not king right now. Two thirds of the world doesn't even recognize him. I was in China years ago. Maybe 99 or 2000. Not sure of the year. And I was with a missionary friend named Keith Cullors. And he's in the front seat with the taxi driver. And I'm in the back seat. And I do not like it. They're talking Chinese, and I don't get a word of it. And I keep saying, what are you saying? What are you saying? What did he say? And he said, the guy asked me what I do. He said, I told him I'm a pastor. And he said, what's a pastor? He said, I teach the Bible. The guy said, what's a Bible? He said, I told him about Jesus. And he said, who's that? And I'm sitting in the back, said, let me talk. How do you tell this guy? He's the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. If you know who he is. Sing praises. Yeah. On Sunday morning, we need to knock Stephen Cofield and his group up here off the stage. We ought to sing so loud, his hair will be going back. If he had that long hair he used to have, he would really look funny. Amen. We ought to say, God, you are worthy of our praise. He will rule over pagans in verse 8. He reigns over heathen. That's our word for pagan, those who don't know God. And he sits on the throne of his holiness. Psalm 47 9. He is greatly exalted. He is greatly, he's not now. I mean, we exalt him. But his name is a cuss word. His name's a swear word. He's mocked and laughed at. His Bible is considered a dead book. I'm not by us, I'm talking about out there. The day is coming. When he will be greatly exalted. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, he was taken out and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking up towards heaven, the angel said, This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. He is king. He is God. He is not. You are not just a product of evolution. You're not just whatever you want to be. He is God. And he is worthy of your worship. 
A great war will soon take place. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, The day of the Lord. He will gather, in verse 2, all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city will be taken. Houses will be raffled. Women will be ravished. And the city will go into captivity. And the residue will be killed. Verse 3. You should mark these in your Bible. Then, then shall the Lord go forth and fight. He might whoop us, the devil. But he won't. I like the word then. They might be killing us and raping our wives. And destroying our children. And burning down everything we have. But when he rises up, he will fight against those nations as he fought the day of battle. By the way, in verse 4, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will split east and west and make a great valley. Now, all the power and honor go to Jesus. He is finally in his rightful place. Verse 9, the princes, the people of the God of Abraham, the Jews who have rejected him, finally getting right with God. They're like, he is our God. They deny him now. I met a friend with one of our church members. I met a Jewish lady. And I said, man, I'm so glad to meet you. I said, you know, you're the special people to God. You're God's chosen people. And she said, well, I wish blankety blank he'd have chosen somebody else. They won't say that then. They'll be happy to be the city, the God, people of the God of Abraham. He is greatly exalted. I have six minutes. And I want to give you a bunch of verses. I really wish you'd open your Bible to them. I'll try to give you time to get there. Go to 2 Peter 3.10. Now listen to me. When you read Psalm 47 and you hear that Jesus is coming back, it's supposed to do something to you. When I was a boy, we lived out in the country. For years we lived on dirt roads. You don't know what that is. Look at that blacktop. Don't have asphalt. They have concrete. It's either gravel or chert or dirt. And when somebody's coming down the road, there's a whole cloud of dust coming. And my parents hated that. They said, we get rich, we're going to live on a blacktop road so no dust gets in the house. Nobody had air conditioners either. But some days my parents would wake up and say, get ready, get dressed, clean the house, put out the new towels, get out the best silverware, get out the best plates that you never get to use. Company is coming. And so we had to do all these things because they were coming. And if you know Jesus is coming, look what it says. 2 Peter 3.10 The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You need to know that you don't know. So you've got to be ready all the time. But look at verse 11 with me, if you would. Seeing then that he's going to come and everything around us is going to... Everything around us is going to melt. That nice car is going to turn into a lump of metal. That house is going to burn down. Your clothes are going to be gone because it ain't worth anything in Jesus' presence. He said, if you know that, verse 11, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy living and godliness? You know Jesus is coming. Let it affect the way you live. Let it affect the way you read your Bible. Let it affect, if Jesus were coming tomorrow, we'd probably make some changes. We're to live spotless lives. 2 Peter 3.12 We're to look for and hurry up the day of the coming of God. 
We're to look in verse 13 for new heavens and a new earth where it dwells righteousness. So in verse 14, he says, since that's true, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. He's coming and we want to be clean and ready. My mother used to put clothes on us and we could sit on the porch. We weren't allowed to play. We couldn't ride the horse. We couldn't go to the barn. We had to sit there and stay clean. After the company got there, we finally got to get dirty. Amen. Well, Jesus is coming. Ain't time to get dirty, boys. First John chapter 2 and verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I think you need to know something. Positionally, you're accepted. And positionally, you're perfect. And positionally, you're great. But often, your practice doesn't line up with your position. And a Christian says, I know who I am, and I want to live like who I am. I want to become who I was made to be. I hear people say, oh, we don't have to worry about that. We're in grace. Well, John didn't know that. He thought you ought to worry about it. And Paul thought you ought to worry about it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, we all run in a race, but one receives a prize. So run that you may obtain. Verse 25, be temperate in all things. They're going to get a crown that rots, but God has crowns prepared that do not rot. He said, therefore, I will not mess around with this. I will not be uncertain. I will keep my body under subjection. Lest by any means when I preach to others, I should be a castaway. Paul was like, I'm watching my step. I'm being careful. I'm disciplining myself. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus told the church in Revelation 3.11, you better hold on to your crown lest somebody take it. It's like God said, got this for you, Austin. Here's your crown. When I mess up and the crown will be gone. Whether you like it or not, we are running in a race. Second John 8 says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. We have worked, but we can lose it. Huh? We have worked, but we can lose it. He said, but I want you to receive a full reward. You really want to get to heaven? He had all this for you. And he says, well, the way you acted, I'll just give you this. You say, but I'm accepted. You are accepted, but you're to pray to be acceptable. Read the Bible. Some of you need to read more books in the Bible. You've been reading Jude and Psalms and Proverbs and, and Genesis. You know, you never got to Leviticus. Come on. 1 John 3, 1 says, Man, can you imagine the love? The Father has called us the sons of God. The world doesn't know us because it never knew Him. Beloved, you're the sons of God. Verse 2. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but this much we know. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. For he shall see him as he is. And after he said those wonderful things, look what John said. So, if you believe that, if you have that hope, that expectation, and that trust, purify yourself as he is pure. Hey, your cousins are coming today. Take a bath. Wash behind your ears. Get the dirt out from between your toes. We didn't wear shoes, you know. Get clean. 
Sit down on the porch in your clean clothes. This company is coming. Jesus is coming. You get this. You get this. Our God will rule. If you believe that, it has to consume you. If you really thought that Jesus was coming or that you were dying. When I was a kid, there was a TV show, One Year to Live. I don't remember what the name of it was, but this guy was given one year. So he goes crazy doing everything he ever wanted to do. But I think if you knew you had one year, I bet you'd hone up on your praying, hone up on your Bible reading. I bet you'd be like, when he comes, I want you to find me faithful. You don't have the promise of a year, sweetheart. He might come today, tonight. And if you have that hope, purify yourself. Father in heaven, thank you for what for me was a great chapter. You blessed my heart. I praise you. I magnify you. I lift you high. God, you are great. I love you. Your people here love you. I pray, God, that you do a work tonight. I pray you'd show your power. I pray you'd help us to get hungry to serve you and to be used of you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, he's coming again. I believe it will be soon. This is not something to play with. Won't you tell him right now? I want to start taking this seriously if you're not already. Why don't you say to him, I'm going to really... Hey, stop it with the porn, guys, girls. Stop it with things that you know you wouldn't do if Jesus were here. He is here. And he will come get us. Let's live out who we are. In Christ, I am accepted. But I want to live acceptably. In Christ, I am told, though, that I am to grow. Let's grow. If you're listening on the internet and you've never trusted Christ, the promises of God are not for you till you trust Jesus. The Bible says you have sinned against the Holy God. There is no help for you except Jesus. The Bible says your sins have separated you from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal, is eternal life. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you. I challenge you to trust Christ for your salvation. What a God. Father in heaven, take praise tonight from your people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.